All right. Well, if you can hear snails crawl, you deserve it, and it's funny. How about that? You can tell it's always fun. The funnest part about having a rock band at church is if people come in that capacity, they will either never come back again, or they will change their lifestyle and they will not get drunk no more. So uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, good to see everybody here today. And I do give you permission to, uh, if you have friends who are probably here in Snails Crawl this morning, uh, today, to call them and harass them. Mostly, uh, make sure they tune in to Fuel Radio tonight if they're that hungover and they're still feeling bad about 8 p.m. Because there's some pretty funny stuff on the radio show tonight um, that is guaranteed to purge their system and make them get it out of there really quick. Um, you know, there's nothing sacred about the new year, really. Uh, it's a calendar we created. Uh, I say we as humanity. Uh, but if if it takes something like the new year to get you motivated to make things happen or change your life or do something fresh or do something new, well, that's okay to use it for that. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm getting old. I just don't care as much anymore about... Any holidays, uh, like I used to. I used to get super intense about Christmas, super intense about birthdays, super intense about New Year's Eve. I did stay up, but it's just because I was up, I think. So, anyway, but here's the thing. Nothing sacred, nothing Bible solid. you got to make a resolution and resolve uh, to whatever. But if it's a good reminder point. The calendar starts then. If you haven't been reading your Bible start today on New Year's Day. There's a lot of reading plans that began with January 1. And so you could do those things and use this as a a hinge point, if you will, to start and do something new. <clears throat> Many of you have asked about our trip and we, we had a decent trip. There's some crazy things that happened along the way and I'll get into those later probably. Uh, but it was good. I don't think I've taken off uh, that many days in a row I don't know when I, if I ever have. So anyway, it was good to get away and uh, do, not away from you. Let's clear, let's clear that up. Uh, but to take the family and go off. And if you watch the radar for weather, we ended up in Snowmageddon 2011. And uh, so the kids had white whatever, Christmas and everything else until we left Colorado. So it was snowing the day we got there and it was still on the ground when we left. Um, I hope <clears throat> that you... Most of us do function by the calendar. You know, you have schedules and business and, and games and, and school and all those things. And so I hope that you do take a new year and renew yourself. I'm going to begin a process of taking us through a book that I think is about renewal, uh, which is First Corinthians. Uh, Mark Driscoll's Church, Mars Hill, did a series on it, and they called it Christians Gone Wild, <laughs> is what the series was called, because that's what happened in the Corinthian church. Um, and so when you see things that need to be fixed, it's a good, another way of saying that is renewal. And 1 Corinthians walks through a journey of, hey, here's this deal. Here's what needs to happen. Hey, here's this deal. Here's what needs to happen. Hey, you're doing this, and here's what needs to happen. And so we're going to begin a process of walking through that. Obviously, our style is to walk through it for a while. We might break out and do a standalone message and then jump back in to that book again. I, I'm working on several things to renew for Fuel Church uh, several things to brand new for Fuel Church. And um, and so those will be forthcoming in the new year. And I hope you'll join us on the journey. 
Uh, you know, at this point, you figured out uh, what you're going to do with the money you got for Christmas. If you figured out what you're going to do with the gift cards you got, you figured out, you know, you got the gifts that you, some of you got new things. Doc, I've never had this sweater before until so you get this sweater, and it's, it's a new thing to you. Uh, some of them are brand new. Some of you got things that weren't brand new, but they were new to you. Uh, you know, maybe you got a car or a, or something, bi- a big ticket item. Maybe it was not previously loved, as they call it, pre-loved. Um, and then some of you got something that is new because you used to have one and it broke or it wore out. And so you got something new to replace the old item. And sometimes it's necessary for us to take a look at, at what once was new or what once was fresh and make a decision to either replace that item or renew it or have it refurbished or something like that. And of course, that's what we want to do with our spiritual life. There are times where you've got to look at it and go, you know, this needs to change for me. This needs to be adjusted for me. And we're going to be looking at the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was planted in a city that was known for a lot of things. And it wasn't cool, neat, good things. They were known for sexual immorality. They were known for having all kinds of religions besides Christianity. They were known for having a whole lot of corruption. And so because of this, the Corinthian church struggled as they began to become Christians about what was right and what was wrong and which way they should go and what they should do. And they wrestled over a variety of things that we'll see unfold. The book of 1 Corinthians addresses a lot of the basic things for the church so they can remember their salvation, so they can remember their commitment, and then they can get formed so that they can renew themselves. I really like this book. Is, it hits you like a hammer now. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, but I, when I bring it to you, it's because I've been hit with a hammer first. Uh, and so we will walk through this. And what I want to do is I want to take you through this, and I want to walk you through it, and I'm, I want to give you each week some... What we're going to do next week kind of information, and you guys can read up. If you want a reading plan, I'm going to give you one every week right here. We'll give you something that you can say, you know what, next week we're going to hit this. And you can go ahead and start reading up on it and stuff like that. I need to get my Bible out, speaking of that. Uh, you have these in your uh, seat there, so if you need to use one, they'll be there for you as well. I'll tell you what page number and all that stuff. What I see, I see as we look at the church at Corinth, and I see our church... Here And I see our churches across America. I see a lot of good wisdom we can get from 1 Corinthians and uh, to offer other believers as we study. And so my prayer is that you will be convicted, that you'll be moved, that you'll be motivated. And, of course, the story of the day, the word of the day is renewed, that you'll be renewed by what you see. And so right now I'm going to go ahead and tell you what we're going to be on next week. So then you'll know uh, what that'll be next week. We'll be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31. Now, they're making those announcement sheets for you later, and so when you get those in your hand, it will be on there too. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31 is what we'll be talking about next week. And so there's your reading plan right there. I don't know how 18 to 31, how many verses that is. But you could, break, you could read that whole passage every day. You could break it up into seven days and read a little bit each day or something like that. But there's your easy way to stay on a reading plan is I'll tell you, hey, read this and study this. And so that's what we're going to be in next week. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 to 31 next week. If you have one of these Bibles, if you don't, you can take one with you. If you don't have one, it's on page 129. And that's where we'll be today. So let's get into today's passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. It's on page 129 on a on one of those Bibles there. Listen, if you need a Bible, take that with you. That's what it's there for. If you have one at home and you just forgot it, then leave that there and uh, we'll keep buying more of the same. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And what I want to do is I want to just break down. Let's just take it a piece at a time and see what we got. Verse 1. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. All right, so here we see Paul. Now, we've studied Paul before, and Paul likes to remind us, hey, I'm an apostle. Hey, I'm this guy. Hey, don't forget, I'm this. Because he had this battle of acceptance that he was having with the people, and he went through this process of the other people believing that he was a called apostle. And we go through the study of Paul if you want sometime, and you can see all those things come out. But Paul's reminding the people of his apostleship, and he does it all the time. And it kind of, you know, it, when you look at it, sometimes it seems like it's arrogant. This guy's kind of snobby. He's like, oh, hey, I'm an apostle called by Jesus Christ. Don't forget me. I'm an apostle. But here's the thing. It has to be done sometimes. Uh, there should be respect for the pastoral uh, or apostle position, if you will. You know, as we said in our message uh, several weeks ago, we talked about pat the pastoral ministry and the pastoral role. And we talked about what those things mean. And when we talked on that topic, um, we, we said that, that you should respect pastoral authority. Uh, unless there's some kind of false prophet or something, if that's their title given to them by that place, you should respect that and you should honor that. And if you're at here or at Church X listening on podcasts and you uh, can't respect your pastoral authority, you either should not be going to church there or... Uh, you need to do a checkup. I find a lot of people who find out that they can't respect the guy and they really don't know why is because they just, everybody needs a checkup and they need to do some research on themselves. All right, verses two to three. Uh, and so he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so a couple of things we're noticing here. Sometimes you may have asked the question, how do we know the Bible's for us? How do we know that something's for us? You know, this is saying, uh, this is First Corinthians. It's written to the Corinthian church. And it's saying, and, and this is something you can gather here, is that this passage, this section of Scripture, is listed and written to both the Corinthian church and us as well. Look what it says there. He says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Okay. That's the Corinthian church. Then he said, then there's a comma. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, that'd be us. Called to be saints together. That'd be us. With all those who in every place, that would be us. And that's anybody else out here worshiping under the name of Jesus Christ today who's called and says, I confess Jesus Christ with my mouth and I believe in my heart God raised from the dead. Those people are saints and those people are called in the name of Jesus Christ. And no matter where they are, no matter what place they are on the entire globe, if they are called in the name of Jesus Christ and they meet and they, and they, and they worship in the name of God, they are saints and this is for them. It's not just, I love it. This is one of the places you can see that this unfolds 
that as something that I should listen to, that I should gather, that I should pay attention to. And so here's what you need to know about that. You need to stop for just a minute here and say, the things that I'm about to read, the things that I'm about to understand and study is not just because I'm reading some letter to another church. I'm reading a letter to me. Because we are part of the saints everywhere. We are part of the people who are in Christ Jesus everywhere. And so we pick up in verse 4. Four through nine. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you were not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, what is it that Paul's thanking God for here? I mean, he starts out by saying, I thank God. I give thanks. I'm always thankful, depending on the translation that you have. And what he's thankful for is a, is a series of things here. First of all, he's thankful because they, the people, both the Corinthian church and you and I, are enriched in God in every way. Now, here's the thing. My question for you would be, are you? Are you enriched in God in every way? Are you able to take on the things of life and withstand them? Are you able to take pressure and deal with it uh, in, in a biblical way? Are you able to get look and search for a new job in a way that's biblical? Are you able to understand how to help people in a way that's biblical? And are you able to understand the gifts that you have and understand God's Word when you read it? And he says, I thank God because you... Are enriched in every way. He says, I'm thankful for them because God's grace is given to them. Now, that's probably the number one for most of us. If you have family members who are saved, you should thank God for that. If you have friends sitting here right now that you remember when they weren't saved, and now you know that they are Christians, you should thank God for that, that, that I have friends who once was lost, but now they're found. He says, I'm thankful that, they're bo- that the body... The body of believers is gifted by God. Is that you have various gifts and you're understanding them and you're discovering them. And he says, I'm thankful that they are in Christ. And that they have been saved and that they have been renewed. But then after that, Paul sees some things that needs to be dealt with. He sees, okay, I'm thankful. It's kind of like uh, when your parents sit you down and they go, well, you've been, you've been you know, doing good in basketball and you've been doing good. And, and then all of a sudden this butt comes. But I got some things we need to talk about. Or your boss calls you in and say, Hey, y'all, we got the expense reports, and you know, y'all did good on that journey, and you did good when y'all went over on that sales trip. And, and, but we got some things we need to talk about. And you know that what's coming is something that has to be dealt with. And that's kind of what Paul is. He kind of says, Hey, I just want you to know I'm thankful that God's grace has been given to you, and that you serve Jesus Christ, and that you want to know God, and you want to know more about Him. But here comes some things we need to talk about. Now, I don't know if they realized when they got into this that we have 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians comes right after that, right? And so we get into the next verses here where Paul seems to see some moments where he wants to compel the Corinthians, where he wants to compel me and you to be renewed in some some areas or some things. And so we look at verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ... 
that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, the first thing you notice here is, is there, there is an appeal. I'm, I am appealing to you. If you hear somebody say that, that they're serious. I'm appealing to you to listen to me. I'm and he says that, and not only is it, an, is, it, is it an appeal, he says, I appeal to you by the name of Jesus Christ. And so it's like super serious that it's an appeal. And then he's super serious that he says, I'm not just appealing to you. I'm appealing to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we're about to enter. What is the appeal? What is it? We know that it's an appeal. We know that it's in the name of Jesus. And we're about to enter what it is that Paul's going to give guidance on about how to be renewed in a specific way. In other words, a recipe for renewal. Now, we were on our trip and we were in Colorado. And uh, we went to a lot of different places, but we spent most of our time in Colorado. And some of you have heard of the ministry called Focus on the Family. And they have their headquarters there. And if you go out there, you could tour their facilities. And they have like a children's museum they can play. And they have a bookstore and, and what have you. And so I had been there probably five, six, seven years ago, something like that. And I wanted, we wanted to go back out there and check it out because they had some new things. And so we went out there and we toured the facility and we walked all around. And, uh, and it was cool. And then we went to the bookstore. And I'm usually, I'm a sucker for bookstores because I'm usually coming out with some kind of book. Uh, whether I didn't, even though Amazon's usually cheap or something, reaches out and grabs me. And so we go in there and Phoebe finds this book. And she says, look, Mom, it's, uh, it's a, she had, she'd already picked it up and she had looked through it. And she said, Mom, it's a cookbook. It's, it's a recipe book. And if you go through here, it has a recipe for every day of the year. And you can just go through and you just pull up the day that it is and cook whatever you want, whatever it tells you. Of course, in this, if you read this, it says dinner table devotions is what it says. And so Mary, Mary's like, well, no, it's not. It's not a cookbook. It's not a recipe book, but it's a book uh, about having dinner table devotions and, and how you can, you know, it's the title of the book and it has a different devotion for each day that you can have with your family. And so anyway, she gives it back to Phoebe. Well, Phoebe brings it to me. And I mean, I'm like across the store and here comes Phoebe by herself. It's a big store, by the way. Here comes Phoebe rolling down the aisle by herself. It's like, oh, this book I found, Dad. And then, of course, I didn't know the story. And I thought, that's a great that's great. We've been looking for something that was more organized to use at the dinner table and what have you. And this is great. And then later I found out the story about the recipes. And then I, but then I told my wife, I said, well, really, you know, it is a recipe book. It really is a recipe book. Because every day you can sit down with your family. And today is January 1. And my intention is that we will sit down tonight and, and look at this together. And uh, there's various scriptures in here and a story. And I would call that a recipe for family time and a recipe for studying scriptures. And the first story begins with, it's a new year. And it talks about being new again. And so, if nothing else, as we dive through these passages of scripture, I want you to think of it as, you know what, this is my recipe. God gave me this love letter so that I could know the ingredients that are necessary, the things that I need to fix. Listen, if you put the wrong thing in a cake, it's not going to bake right. 
If you don't put the necessary ingredients in some kind of recipe, it's not going to come out the intended way. But what it does not mean is that you quit baking cakes. It means, okay, this cake's bad. You know, if you ever had that thing where a cake falls in the oven, you basically have to start over and bake a new cake. But that's okay. And so what I want you to know is as you discover things that God points out in your life that need to be renewed, it's not time to quit. It's time to renew. And so continuing in verse 10, he, you know, he says, listen, I, I want all of you to agree. I, I want all of you to agree. I appeal to you that you agree and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, can I just be honest with you? You pick the church. You don't hardly see this. You hardly ever see a situation where people are in one accord and in one fellowship and in one uh, one idea and in one judgment and having the same mind about things. And what I want you to know is this, is that if a place is not in agreement and it's probably very, very realistic that you pick church X, that they don't have a situation where they're all in agreement, it's still not okay. Just because a lot of churches... Well, you know, most churches really aren't agreeing with each other. It's still not okay. It's still not okay. The world looks at us and the world uh, focuses on us. And then, you know, nobody's asked you to carry the banner standard for the Christian community. But what I want you to know is that we said time and time again, and this scripture brings us right back there again, is that if we will get around Jesus together and we will focus on a relationship with Christ together and that we will, whether it's in our houses or whether it's at our job or in our school or right here and a fuel worship experience is that if we'll rally around Jesus Christ, you will get there. You can do, it is a doable thing. Verses 11 through 17, he starts bringing it home about what he's seeing. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. I love this. Chloe's people. Listen, we'll get to there in a minute. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that, not, is that each of one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that one of so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. This, this passage to me, you know, anytime I stamp up here, I try to follow what I call, what we call the God-man continuum. And the God-man continuum says, I got to come up here with the balance of the Bible and what you see in the world and try to make you understand how this applies. But if I'm going to ever make an error to one side or the other, I need to err on the side of Scripture and not err on the side of too much culture. And when I take this passage of Scripture and I lay it over the fabric of our culture that I see right now, 
You know what I see with I belong to Chloe, and I belong to Paul, and I belong to this, and I belong to that? I see people who jump in and out of churches like hot tubs. The, the last, one of the cool things on our trip is we were staying in chains of hotels that had indoor pools and indoor hot tubs. And there ain't nothing like you several inches of snow on the ground outside and getting in a hot tub. I almost made myself pass out. I sat there so long. Apparently they mean that 15-minute thing. They mean that. And then we won't get into the people who drink and get in there. But anyway. Uh, but the last hotel we stayed in was a new hotel. It was brand new. They'd just been open like a month. And we go in there and we're all pumped up about the heated pool and the heated hot tub. Because, you know, it's like 105 degrees in the hot tub and the pool's been heated everywhere we go. We get to the last hotel and, you know, e- even though you know what it's supposed to be, you kind of have to do the, the toe dip thing, you know. And if somebody don't push you in, the pool was cold. And the hot tub was kind of lukewarm. And I just wasn't pumped about that. And I see people treating the church like that. This is not hot enough. This is not cool enough. This doesn't taste right. I like this worship leader. I like that worship leader. I like, I like Stretch, but I don't like Shane. Or I want to do what John says, but I don't want to do what Mike says. I like what Steve says, but I don't like what Caleb said. And you get all this little seasonings thrown into something that it should not. You know, you can't be a robot and you can't be forced into things. But if you just look at the world... Just look, and not just where we live, but you look at America. People just hop in and out of church. And you know why they do it? It's because they're aligning themselves with the person instead of the person of Jesus Christ. They're aligning themselves with, the, with some kind of personal agenda or movement instead of getting around the fabric and the nature of the Son of God to be the glue that holds them together. And the reason why... is. I think is the heart of the matter is that a lot of these people are following or even worshiping other people instead of having the priority of Christ in their lives. And you see that in Scripture. He's like, some of y'all are saying, you belong to Chloe. And some, and I love how he says Chloe's people. It's been reported to me by Chloe's people. God just tell you something? I appreciate that y'all come to Field Church. I appreciate that you listen to the podcast and whatever that, but I don't have people. If you're in Christ, you're his people. And I'm just blessed enough to get to come here every week and tell you something. I hope that we can shepherd you, both me and the campus pastors, in ways that are are loving and give you guidance and give you leadership and stuff like that. But if I'm not following the sun, then my suggestion to you is that you should run. If you ever think that I have a personal agenda that I'm trying to influx into this thing that has nothing to do with the kingdom, please sit down and have coffee with me and talk with me and let's hash that out both in a way that you understand that I understand that we want to get about the stuff of Jesus Christ and having the priority of Christ in our life. Because if you get in this frame of mind that... uh that my personal opinion is better than Stretch's. And Stretch's, Stretch's little thing that he likes better than John's. 
And then John, you know, what John has going on, I like that better than what Daniel says. And then, you know, what Daniel's been thinking about doing, I like better than what Terry says. And then Terry, you know, Terry, the way he's heading is a lot better than what Mary's wanting to do. And what Mary's wanting to do, I like that better than what Tina, and so on and so on. If you get in that, then, then we'll be seeing you out the door to another church eventually because you'll never make the journey. Listen, wherever you go to church, if you're listening to a podcast right now, five years from now, this applies wherever you're at a church serving God. Because, see, here's the thing. You serve God and you worship Him. You don't serve me and worship the preaching pastor. You serve Jesus and you worship Him. You don't serve Daniel and worship the worship team. You serve God and His kingdom and what His ministry is to be about you don't serve the campus pastor and his agenda. But I will say this, is that if you serve Christ and your campus pastor serves Christ, you're in this together. If you serve Christ and your worship team serves Christ, you're in this together. If you serve Christ and your youth leadership team is serving Christ, then you're in this together and that the results that come out of that will be awesome. You see, Satan would love nothing more than for you to put people as priority over Jesus. And it's hard, isn't it? It's very hard, especially family, right? It's very hard for me to not put my wife and my children above Christ. Because it's something that's in our face all the time. It's something that, that is calling for our... And, and every little family member that you have that's you're close to or a spouse or a, a friend is begging for your attention. And it's very difficult to not put those things above Christ. And Satan loves it if you'll do it. He just loves it when some when somebody says, I'm leaving this church. I'm Chloe's people. And Chloe's mad, so I'm mad. I'm Peter's people. I'm Paul's people. And Paul's mad, so I'm mad. Paul thinks we should do this. Paul thinks we should go here. Uh, you know, uh, Shane, you didn't baptize me. Stretch did. That, and that's kind of the, the thing that they're doing here. I was speaking with another pastor uh, a couple of days ago, uh, and they have a situation that I've seen many times where forces are aligning in the church over the music. And and they kind of have like this Amy Grant kind of sound, and they're mad about that. I said, send them the fuel. <laughs> They'll be happy to go right back and listen to what y'all got. Send them over here and let them have their rock experience a little bit. And they'll love just the little, little snare drum that they have now. But anyway, people are leaving the church and jumping out and aligning forces over music. And I've seen it time and time again. And we've kind of been walled in from it here because we don't operate in the manner that some of them do uh, on the music category. But people are aligning and saying, I'm with him. And if he's leaving, I'm leaving. I'm with him, and if he's staying, I'm staying. What's God saying? That's what I want to know. What's God telling those people? And if Satan can get you to put people over the priority of Jesus, it'd be here's what will happen. You'll get distracted, and you'll let all your attention be on people and on feelings, and before you know it, you'll be consumed instead of being... Listen, if you want to be consumed with something, be consumed with Christ. To be renewed is to have is to be consumed by Jesus and not the people and things around you. The last night of our trip, we come back and we stopped in Tulsa 
And uh, we stopped up there to see Jacob and Kristen and hang out with them for a few hours. And uh, if you don't know Jacob and Kristen, Kristen's my sister. Uh, Jacob is on staff at a church up there. He used to be on staff here at Fuel. And uh, so we wanted to go see them and hang out for a while. And we decided to go to Incredible Pizza, which is an awesome place. They got pizza. Awesome. And they got uh, games and video games and, you know, rides you can ride and go-karts and bumper cars. And they got all this cool stuff. And so we go to Incredible Pizza. And we made this entire journey with having our luggage on our luggage rack. And everything was cool. And every time we'd stop somewhere, I'd be always worried about it. I hope this will be okay out here. We'll just be in there for a little bit. So, God, Jesus, take the wheel on my luggage, right? And so we get to Tulsa, where I'm finally not worried about it. And we go on Incredible Pizza, and we do our thing, have pizza, have a blast with the kids. They're having fun playing the video games. We're doing all this stuff. And we come outside, and somebody stole some of our luggage. And so the, the uh, five-finger fist of God rose up in me really quickly. And I wanted to fight every person that looked like they could have my stuff, of course. Obviously, I wasn't doing that. But all these thoughts ran through my head. Yeah, if I, if, if I knew, if I was you and I knew I'd be coming out, I'd take it when I wasn't looking to and saying all those tough guy things, right? And so anyway, that me and my wife had combined our clothes together in a, in a bag uh, and they took that, and then they took my my youngest son's bag as well. And of course, it's just stuff, but I was consumed with this feeling of, I worked for that. You know, I was consumed with this, I don't even know if it's, I guess it's selfishness that I worked to to pay for, to, to make money, to buy those things that I had so I could have pants and shirts and shoes and, and the things that I had. And my wife has done the same thing. And my son is only four. Uh, and they, and you know, and my, I'm obviously automatically assuming this person doesn't have a real job and making all these assumptions about this person. And I'm consumed with feelings uh, of passion, if you will. And my, one of my friends told me, he said, what you need to do is let G.I. Shane, uh, Soldier Shane, lay hands on him while Pastor Shane prays for him. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to just find them and bang their head and say, God loves you a lot, but I want my stuff back. Uh, but my po- here's my point with that. I was really consumed. I, it was easy for me to get sidetracked. I'm not totally over it yet. Because, you know, it's just stuff. But if you've ever had something stolen, it's like, you know, that's not yours. That's mine. And But here's what I hear God saying in this whole thing. At the end of the day, I got to be prepared to live out verse 17. I had to be, cons- if I'm going to be consumed with anything, let it be consumed with Jesus Christ. If I'm going to be passionately aggressive about anything, let me be passionately aggressive about Jesus Christ. Verse 17 again says, for Christ, Paul, he's saying, for Christ did not send me to baptize And here's what I would add to that, a little transition word. For, for Christ did not send me to be consumed with other things, except, but he sent me to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So my question for you today as we close out this section of Scripture is, 
Are you consumed with someone other than Jesus? Are you consumed with something other than Jesus? And maybe not other. Other maybe is not a good word. Are you consumed with something or someone more than Jesus? The fact that maybe you could say that you're consumed at all might be the answer to the question. If I'm so consumed with this issue or with this matter or with the political race or with my belongings or with this relationship or with this attitude problem or with this circumstance or with this with this problem or with this person that's pulling on me and trying to get me to do something. If you are so consumed with that, my thought would be that you're not consumed with Christ. Are you united with other people around more things than Jesus? Are you allowing people to influence you when Jesus should be the one influencing you? Are you letting God give you the recipe for your life? Or are you letting other people give you the recipe for your life? I don't really get on Facebook too much and read things because I don't have the ability to watch that many friends and I don't have the ability to spend that much time. But every now and then I'll just open it up to see somebody sends me a personal message or something like that, one of my ministry friends or something. And I, I mean, I do, I will tell, I do read your comments when you comment, uh, but I don't have time to read everybody else's page. And... Every now and then I'll open up some, and just whatever's on the screen is what's there. And I'm amazed at how much life advice people get off of here. I'm about to pop the question, how should I do it? Should I do it like this or that? I'm, a, I'm looking for a new job. Should I go here or there? I'm thinking about asking this person out on a date. Should I, should I or should I not? I'm thinking about Taco Bell or KFC. Should I, which one should I go to? The first person to tweet me back what you like to eat, we'll go there. Well, who cares? And, and here's, here's, here's the funny part right here. There's people getting legitimate life advice. Off of here. Now, if it's, do these boots go with this shirt? That's probably not major life advice. Should I break up with him? And there's this whole comment list of people. And I don't know if they're taking that advice. But every now and then you'll see a reply later that says, Thank you for all your advice. I've made my decision. And I want to say, right here? Here is where we're making it? How awesome would it be to be so consumed with what God has to say to you in 2012 from His Word and that you're so passionate about being renewed in your heart and in your life in the year 2012 that you say, God, I've taken what you say into consideration and I want to thank you for helping me make my decisions. God, I thank you for what your Word has for me. And how your word can tell me to be renewed and refabricated and rejuvenated in my life. And I want to thank you for helping me make a decision according to what you want. And like Paul, Paul's saying, listen, we don't have Chloe's people 
and Paul's people and Cephas's people and Jesus's people. It's either Jesus' people or not Jesus' people. I think if you'll let yourself be renewed by God and not by people, that you'll have the recipe for life that you'll never want to let go of. Statistics tell us that most people who claim to follow Christ have never read all the Bible. Statistics tell us that most people claiming to be born again believers are really not. Statistics tell us a lot of things that cover up joy and passion sometimes. And you know what I want to do here for a few people and for people listening by podcast? I want to prove all those statistics wrong in our culture. I want to see people passionate about renewal. I want to prove those statistics wrong. I want to see people who say, you know what? I've never read the Bible all the way through and I'm going to do it. I'm not saying you have to do it in a year. I'll make a promise and I'll ask our pastors to hold us accountable. We will give you something to read every single week. And so I'm going to give you a slower pace probably than the Bible in one year will give you. But it'll be a start, right? It'll be something you guys can plow through and plod through. And who knows, by the time Jesus comes back, we may get you through the whole Bible. Let's pray. Father, we pray for our hearts right now as we seek to consider renewal. We pray that as we enter to a new year, that we take this time to let renewal be something that is the theme of the day so that we take it to heart, whether it's studying your word or whether it's telling other people how they can know you. Maybe it's just following you instead of following people. God, I pray that as you put leaders in people's lives, that you put leaders that are tested, you put leaders that are tried, you put leaders who are passionate, but they're passionate about you. God, I pray that as we zero in our passion on you, as we zero in our passion on the gospel, as we zero in what we're gathering from your word today, is that there could be a lot of things we could be about. But really, the number one thing you want us to be about is worshiping you and telling people about your gospel. That, God, you help us prioritize our life. That it's you and whatever after that. No matter if it's work or school or home or play, it's you and whatever else after that. God, I don't know how many people ever get there. And we want to set the bar today. Or we want to go after the bar that you set. God, let us be that people. God, let us be those people who finally can show what it is like to be someone fully devoted to God. Let us be that people that see and feel and, 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 and are passionate about you first. And let everything else flow from there.
God, I pray for renewal today. Some of them are hurting. Some are sick. Some are lazy. Some don't care anymore. Some are damaged. Some are getting married. Some are getting divorced. Some are having trouble in school. Some are concerned about other life decisions. God, let us be that people fully devoted to you. God, I pray this week ahead you unveil to us what full devotion means. And that if we have one day left, 100 or 1,000, that we'll live them fully devoted to you. We pray these things through the name of Jesus, the one and only. Amen. You guys. Pastor.